0: I am further along in my faith than other people are, and I'm way further behind than other people are. And if someone is happy in their little spot and they feel comfortable there, I'm not interested in making them uncomfortable.
1: Have you ever had a thought that you wanted to say out loud, but wondered how people would respond? Maybe you have started the process of deconstruction and have so many questions but you still want to be part of your local church. This week, we are talking with Seth Price, the host of Can I Say This at Church, about deconstructing faith, different beliefs and theologies, as well as learning how to truly listen and understand those around us.
0: We are for the spiritual nomads,
1: the outcasts, and the ones who desire to
2: ask the hard questions hard of A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes,
1: and our dreams.
2: We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about downsides.
1: We invite you to come and sit at our Table and be a part of our tribe.
0: We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit.
1: everyone. Welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Elaine.
2: And my name is Cody.
1: And this week we are talking with Seth Price of the Can I Say This in Church podcast.
2: Yeah, so Seth, uh, I met him through a mutual Facebook group, I believe. And I don't even know, I, like I said, I think we actually talked about a little bit about this in the recording, mm-hmm. but I don't remember if it was like the the artwork or if it was something he had said, or maybe it was a comment he had posted on something I had made, but or maybe it's a title. Yeah, so it <laughs> stuck. I, it probably was it honestly because like that's like my all the time question, or was my all the time question is what am I going to get in trouble for for saying? Yeah. Whenever I was in church, so it was probably that, and uh, yeah, so I went and listened to his show, and it's honestly, and I, I do mean this sincerely, it's one of the few um, faith-based podcasts that I actually listen to. And that's saying something because most of them drive me up the wall. So uh, Seth and Can I Say This in Church along with um, Austin and New Age Christianity and then a couple others, but they're, it's very select. And so Seth is an awesome guy. I, we actually got to talk with him. Scheduling, he was able to be very um, lenient with us, his schedule. He's more of an evening recorder. We're more of a morning recorder. But we finally got it worked out. We got him here, and we covered pretty much like we went all over. All place, everywhere. Right? All the
1: topics. Like
2: so, what all was it? Was it a deconstruction?
1: Deconstruction, hell, the LGBTQ plus community, questioning, church, just everything.
2: So, if you've ever wondered, can I say this in church? Uh, yeah, you should probably listen to this yeah. episode. And before we get into it, a quick reminder, guys. We want to keep this conversation going. We have a private Facebook community nomads a safe community for christians to ask unsafe questions and we want to invite you to join seth also has a facebook community stick around to the end of this episode to catch that and also if you're not on our email list seth had an amazing final five just giving advice on how to be a better listener because really to me that is seth's strong point is giving people a platform and just really just giving room for them to be able to express themselves. And he's just an amazing listener. So head over to pursuit.com forward slash subscribe or head to the show notes section below. Find that link, get on our email list that will be coming out to you. But without further ado, let's get right to this conversation with Seth Price, the host of Can I Say This at Church. We are here with Seth Price, uh, the Founder, podcast host of Can I Say This at Church. Seth, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So we're sitting here recording this locally our time right now. It is 8.46 p.m. And we're used to doing morning yeah. interviews. So we're going to see how this goes on our end. But you're you're a vet to doing afternoon yes. or evening yeah,
0: interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> if anything that's, that's else. That's how I live. I live. I live late night. So why not? Yeah.
2: So we can trust that you'll be able to carry the conversation if we start. <laughs> if we start yes, <laughs> start losing yes. It. sure. Sure, why not? So Seth, I came to um, know of your show. I assume through a mutual group. I think that is where I got to know you through a friend of a friend, a mutual group that we're in for um, podcasting. Uh, and I don't, I don't even remember exactly what drew me to your show. I don't know if it was like the cool lettering on your. <laughs> on your um, your podcast uh, graphic. I don't know if it was something you had said, but whatever it was, uh, your show is one of the very few podcasts, Christian podcasts or religious, however you want to say that, podcasts that I actually listen to. So props to you on that because I'm very selective on which ones. Most of them drive me Thanks. up the wall. So uh, I really <laughs> just want to start. What got you into podcasting? And um, I guess just kind of bring us up to speed on that.
0: Sure. Well, thank you for that. And um, it's probably the lettering. I doubt it was anything that I had to say. <laughs> um, <I've, laughs> maybe it was, but it's probably the lettering, um, which has a story all to its own. But um, uh, in what got me into podcasting. So after the Charlottesville um, Heather Heyer got ran over by a car a few years ago, you know, what I'm talking mm-hmm. about with the Unite the Right rally here in Charlottesville, Virginia.
2: I believe I remember hearing about it.
0: So there was um, a bunch of people wanting to bring down Stonewall Jackson and a bunch of other Civil War era, Mm, uh, Jim Crow erected um, statues. And a lot of people didn't like that. And it became like a mecca of, mecca is a bad word, became a big meeting place of, um, of a lot of political tension. And then someone from Ohio drove a Dodge Charger through a crowd and killed someone and um and so right after that i had a lot of friends well i have a lot of friends but um a few of my friends one lives in charlottesville i live right outside charlottesville and others in south carolina uh, to college together and we decided we wanted to talk about that and no one else volunteered to edit the show and i realized it was never going to get out unless somebody edited it so i did it and got a little bit better at it and then as that show started to dwindle down as you know one of the hosts had a baby and it was a hard to schedule times between the three different jobs and um i had the itch to to talk about what i wanted to talk about in the same small group uh we often would have conversations about politics and religion and theology shoot we were doing it just just today um and so i took some of the conversations that i was having there and uh, like an idiot, put him on the internet for everybody to hear. But, but yeah, so that's kind of where that started.
2: So, what was uh, what is your history in I guess like the Christian faith circle?
0: Mm. Uh, grew up my uh, when I was really little, my dad was a pastor, and then we moved to Texas. and He was no longer a pastor after that. Uh, Southern Baptists, although I think they broke off and became an independent Baptist. Have mm-hmm. a uh, very fundamental, fund. I always struggle with this word. Fundamentalist, evangelical, uh, Baptist, uh, young Earth creationists, no women in any form of leadership, version of church in the middle of Western Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that uh, you know went all the way through, and I went with a bunch of friends from my high school to Liberty University here in Virginia, and they met my wife and. Never went back to Texas. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's interesting. Your show is probably one of the more diverse Christian podcasts I've ever heard. And I know a lot of people, whenever I don't know, I have a weird stigma with Christian podcasts. We're not even in the Christian category on. Like, we removed ourselves from the Christian category just because it was mostly crowded with churches, churches,
1: mega churches.
2: And, like, that's the predominating. And it was, of course, like more of an SEO type thing for us. And so, but it was also kind of like symbolism of, like, hey, we're not just this normal everyday thing. Well, one interesting thing about your show, and I guess I'm kind of fanboying here a little bit. Guys, definitely go check out his show. It's it's an amazing show. And he, Seth, you do, I don't want to talk to the, I'm talking to the audience here, but I'm going to talk to you, Seth. You do an amazing job of allowing people room to talk. And I really feel like that is just like, that's a strength because a lot of times we don't know when to shut up. Mm-hmm. And so you just do an amazing job of allowing people freedom to express their stories. So uh, what was it like coming from a very, like you said, um hyper conservative, evangelical um, atmosphere growing up, and then coming into a podcast, or I guess I'm sure there's something along the way. I don't know if deconstruction is the word or what, but something along the way had to have transitioned right? to say, "Hey, I want to hear all these different perspectives. What was that, and what's that been like?
0: Yeah. Well, it was easy when I was in that bubble, especially at Liberty. Uh, Mm -hmm. But as I graduated from college and realized that the life didn't, well, that the world didn't work the way that the church said that it did. Mm -hmm. And then as I got further and further away from that, and I realized that people wanted to talk about being the church, but never actually did any work of the church. There was no ministry. There was no love. There was no gospel. And um, I mean, as we were joking earlier, I kind of go all in on things. And so as I started digging more in, I realized most people, present company included, you know, at least here in my house, was just way too hypocritical. And so I was either not going to do it at all, or I was going to figure out a way to do it as honestly as possible. Yeah, mm, um, and so yeah, I deconstructed everything. Like I basically, I wrote a list of 15 things I had issues with. I started in Genesis, with creationism um, or younger creation, and then I, after that, I went to um, the virgin birth, whether or not that even should matter, and just Kept going from topic to topic. And then I took those notes, and that's what became the podcast. But that's also the fodder that became uh, the conversations with my friends, Uh, not Facebook conversations, like, you know, real conversations (laughs) with my friends. Um, But yeah, you're right. My faith has shifted quite a bit. I, I tell people often I'm thankful for the time that I went to Liberty, but I could not go back there at all. Um, uh, not because I disagree with their theology, but because I disagree with the way that they practice it.
2: Yeah.
1: Did you receive like any backlash from friends and family from your deconstruction?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get backlash still, uh, weekly, um, sometimes daily, but I'm beginning to not care if that makes any sense. So like I'm realizing what did I tell someone the other day, um, I, I see a lot of it is a stupid Facebook reminders that pop up and it'll be like, here's what you said 10 years ago. And I'll read that and be like, did I? Oh, man. I hate those oh, things really, so much. Oh, really? This doesn't sound like me. And so I'm, I'm realizing that I am further along in my faith than other people are. And I'm way further behind than other people are. And if someone is happy in their little spot, and they feel comfortable there i'm not interested in making them uncomfortable i don't want to argue with anyone so i've gotten to where i just delete the emails that are offensive um sometimes i respond back and be like appreciate you taking the time to write uh, or you know with my dad when we have phone conversations or that type of stuff or close friends or close family actually here we go so here's an example so uh, i was watching the democratic presidential debates uh, when we were on vacation at my wife's grandfather's house. And we got to talking about homosexuality and this, that, and the other. And then he gave me a package at the end that basically said, you know, here is here is um what the Bible, the word of God says about homosexuality. And it was like 27 pages of printed off work uh, that came just from a random website on the internet. And he handed it to me and said, you know, wrestle with this. Hopefully you'll come to realize that you're holding views that are wrong, and so I wrote him a letter back instead of calling him. I just actually wrote him a letter back, and it turned into like sixteen handwritten pages of here's all the text here's all the text that you gave me. I don't really like that you implied that I haven't given this a lot of thought, and so let's talk about this. I actually mailed that on friday I sat on it for for about a month because i didn't it's my wife's family but I also will see him at Christmas and I would rather not argue about it again.
2: Mm -hmm. What has been the hardest thing for you going through deconstruction? Since we're talking about deconstruction and all.
0: Oh gosh. Um, Hardest thing for me, probably still going to church throughout the whole thing. Like I never stopped Mm -hmm. going to church. Um, That's probably the hardest thing.
2: I was uh, interested. I didn't want to bring that up without your permission here, but you know, I I guess I kind of realized in some of our conversations uh, that you still attended church. Um, and I don't know, that interests me because I know a lot of people who go through deconstruction completely walk away or walk away for a season or it changes. And so what is it like still going to church through deconstruction? How do they handle some of your views? Do they know your views? What's your primary? I don't know. I have like a thousand questions for that because (laughs) I feel like before I, before I turn it over, I feel like there's a group of people who deconstruct inside themselves, but they still go to church and don't talk about mm-hmm. it. And then there's the people who walk away from church and are very outspoken about it. But I feel like you're like an enigma in this, and I'm excited for that because you are both outspoken about it, at least online, which is as public as you can get, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you still attend church. So I just, I want to know all there is to know about that.
0: So A, I I feel like I go to a relatively healthy church that will allow people to do that. Um, then I know that that's not the case. Like uh, I, I see so many stories of people questioning really anything and then getting kicked out of the church. Uh, my church really isn't interested in that. Um, our church staff isn't interested in that, but we also have a relatively young church staff. I mean, our senior pastor, our, children's pastor and our youth pastor are all relatively my age within a few years. It's just our worship minister that's a little bit older and he's also entirely on board. So that's helpful to be at a church that isn't necessarily interested in being right is more interested in you just being in community. Uh, but it's also just, I mean, just honestly, it's, it's easy to fake, uh, being a Christian if you've been, if you grew up in the church. So, um, I mean, the reason I kept going is because my family, was going to go anyway with or without me. And I would like to be a part of that. And you know what I mean? Like, I, it's easy enough to fake the answers. Uh, and then, you know, leading worship at the church, like I just really like doing that. And I whether or not I had any logic or belief behind the words at the time, like I just really liked doing it. Mm-hmm. And other people seem to like it. And so why would I, I'm not doing anything else Sunday morning. I mean, that's where my friends are. Those are the people that we do life with because mm-hmm. a lot of circles mine included if you detach yourself from the church you don't have really any community to fall back on yeah. i'm not going to yeah, ha- hang sure. out with the people that i work with so you know it didn't seem healthy to to isolate myself from everything
2: mm-hmm. hmm. that's it so you're a worship pastor did i catch that right
0: uh no i'm or not are you- a worship pastor i just happen to sing into the microphone okay.
2: Okay. Very cool.
0: But I'm not pastor I'm not pastoring anybody. Yeah. <laughs> no. Very cool.
2: So I was a um, I was I've been on worship teams and worship pastored my entire, which isn't I understand in the grand scheme of things isn't that long, but my entire life, right, since I was a teenager. So I didn't realize we had that in common. Very cool. I understand. I understand completely. There's a there's an energy about it and a drive about it that. Um, that's very magical whenever everyone just connects, you know, with one unified objective or what hopefully would be one unified objective. So I completely understand that. I know a lot of people struggle with that very thing with community. Um, that was a huge thing Mm -hmm. for us. And, you know, we haven't, we don't necessarily have a home church, but we haven't walked away from church completely. We have kind of a more of a nomadic approach to church right now. And there's churches we visit and then sometimes like this morning, we took our Sabbath yesterday. So we did a bunch of nothing yesterday and actually relaxed, but our work, everything right now is just, our schedule is crazy. So um, we knew today we had to work. So it was kind of, we just read to ourselves. So we kind of have like a more of a a shuffled around approach to church, but what's advice, uh, what advice do you have to someone who maybe is looking for a church to still be a part of, even though they're going through, uh, deconstruction? What is some advice on some healthy attributes to look for in a church just kind of off the bat?
0: Um, ooh, healthy attributes to look for in a church? Well, A, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer this, uh, but I'll try. Um, but what I would say that is healthy about, what I see is healthy about our church is um, we give away a lot of money intentionally to other parts of our community with no expectation of them coming, becoming members, tiding back to the church. We just give away money. Um, and so I would make that the first thing, oddly enough, I do banking for a living. So that's probably why that, that, that strikes me. But, um, I'm not interested in a church that wants to hoard things, uh, because they'll also hoard everything, not just money. They'll hoard ideas, they'll hoard people, they'll hoard programs, even if they don't work. Um, which I think a healthy church also, you know, if things don't work, we have been doing it for 20 years the same way, just let it die. Because without that death, there's nothing new that ever gets birthed. Like you have to till the soil every once in a while. Yeah, so a church that gives away its resources well, and a church that allows things to stop being a thing, which I know is frustrating, because there's always that person in the back of the church like, but we've done this. Yeah. My dad started yeah. doing this. This is yeah. what we do. It's not an defensive It's
1: offensive. <laughs> yeah.
2: So you do um, money for a living. And mm. so that makes that brings up an interesting point in my head. One of the things I've heard that causes a lot of damage to people that go that end up going through deconstruction is the idea of tithing and giving and just that fear of hoarding resources and churches not being honest with their money. I don't really know what the question is to that, but do you have any comments or remarks to someone who's had those thoughts?
0: I mean, don't feel guilty about tithing or not tithing. Tithing is barely biblical, but um, I mean, I understand the thought process behind it, but the way that most churches preach on tithing is really... I I just think bad hermeneutics, the church needs to do something with it worthwhile that's more than just staffing and buildings and structures and HVAC, like all that stuff matters or you can't have programs, but I mean, you're just thinking of the way that the church in the Bible gives, you know, so there are people that own the fields that don't allow the stuff that falls when they glean, like that is a form of tithe, like they're giving of their resources to the community that you're in. Um, there's the one that breaks open the ointment, the oil there, you know, on Jesus, which I've done the math. on. thought, what is it? 300 and something denarii. That's like $58,000 worth is what she gave. Like that, that stuff was that expensive. Um, and then you got people that give whatever they can give. All that really matters is the reason that you're giving. And then I think for the church and the people, you know, in leadership in the church, how you spend that money matters. Um, but I would never ask anyone to tithe if you can not afford to, if it's going to put your family in a bad situation. But I also am very aware. I mean, shoot, my pastor, one time at our church, we were talking about, what were we talking about? We we're talking about tithing and it, well, it made its way to that. And he basically said, you know, the poverty level where we live is like 29%. Most people live this many thousands of dollars between the median income. I know the average income of most people in this church, and it was a very large amount. He's like, so if we just actually all did what we say we would do as the church and maybe tithed an actual percentage. Um, we could just redistribute the wealth here in the city that we live in and there wouldn't be poverty. He's like, and that's just our church. And then he's like, I hear you in the back of your mind going, well, that's socialism. He's like, you're not mad at me. You're mad at something else. And it's not me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't have an issue with tithing. I mean, I tithe today, but I just put it on autopilot. But to be honest, Cody, like I I also like that it's a tax write-off, so um, so there's that. But but yeah, if, if you're a church getting tithes or if you're someone giving your tithes to a church, make sure that they're doing something better with it than like Kiwanas would do or the Lions Club would do. Make sure that the church is doing something with it. And if not, take it away.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's good. Thank you for that. So kind of transitioning here a little bit back to your podcast and your deconstruction. So... Uh, for one, let me ask this. When did you start deconstruction? I don't know if you said that or if I caught it. At, like, kind of, what is that related to the point of your podcast starting?
0: Uh, probably started deconstructing 2000, late 2008, 2009. Uh, yeah. Which so, and the podcast started what, over a decade later. So basically, when I started, you know, my wife and I were going to have our, our firstborn, my, and my, my son was born. And I don't deal well with emotion. And, um, you know, compounding things of sleep deprived, you know, stress in a marriage, because that's what kids do emotions that I'm not comfortable with. I view the the role of father and mother as different. You know, all of that. There's just too many things at one time, which I know is a very common story. A lot of people, you know, children change everything um, and religion and faith should be no different. But but yeah, so that 2008, 2009, somewhere in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what are some key things that you've learned over the period of "Can I Say This at Church?" podcast?
0: That I don't know all that much, and right when I think that I do, <laughs> yeah. um, I learned something else. Uh, but I'm also learning, and it came from a past guest. You know, after that we stopped recording, I'm also learning the a, a better practice of stopping learning for a season, like not constantly trying to take in new knowledge. If that makes any sense. Uh, Just instead of bouncing from one topic to the next, to the next, to the next. Uh, Because one thing that I'm finding is I refuse to interview someone if I haven't read the text that we're going to talk about in full. Um, I find it disingenuous and just possibly wasteful of their time to fake it. Because I feel like you can tell if it's faked. But yeah, I've also learned that I am not... The biggest thing I've probably learned is... Uh, what I thought was a handful of people is a massive community. Uh, you know, people all over the planet that are in the exact same spot as me, um, which is that's life giving to not be to not feel so alone.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What's been some of your favorite interviews or favorite things you've talked about?
0: Let's see, favorite interviews. So that answer probably changes every week. Depending <laughs> yeah. on If I'm going. Yeah. Um, so I will say. Uh, I don't know that I can say some of my favorite interviews, so I'll give you some of my favorite guests that I've had on. So Alexander Shia is probably my favorite person that I've interviewed and has been probably the most impactful um, author slash theologian slash friend. I mean, we text and chat constantly now, phone call whenever we can. Who else? Let's see. Paul Thomas was fantastic to talk about because just his life experiences were great. Uh, Derek Webb was really on the list of, yes, this was fantastic.
2: So with that, what are some of the hardest topics that you've that you've touched on um, in the history of your podcast?
0: So every time I talk about LGBTQ issues, uh, that's always hard because it's just hard. Sure. Uh, I don't, I can't, I can't relate as well as I would want to. Like I can relate to someone that believes a certain type of theology because I may have believed it in the past, but that's just not an avenue of life that I relate to easily. So I have to intentionally be really careful with the questions and the way that I pose the questions yeah. so as to not appear to be a bigot because I definitely am not one and I don't want to be one. Mm-hmm. Um, that I also, one of my, oh so this is another favorite episode, but it's a hard topic. So I talked about sex trafficking and the church's complicity in it with the lead singer of Remedy Drive, David Zock, which that was hard, uh, really hard, but also a topic that matters.
2: So we have a uh, uh, kind of a series coming up on the LGBTQ+, plus, um, really just about the church's perspective on it. How to and, love
1: people of that community better.
2: Yeah, so I know that this is, like you said, it's a topic that's harder for you to relate to, but what are just a couple tips, and this is really just kind of a, a nugget for people who are going to stick through it uh, when we have that series in September, but what are some key tips leading in that to prep some people's minds uh, for understanding and giving voice to people of that community
0: so to prep people's minds in that community are the people listening that are going to go like no i don't agree with you like which lines
2: the second second one
0: yeah so a i would say uh don't fast forward and hit feel free to hit pause when you need to and feel free to also fact check on the fly like that's the nice thing about a podcast like if some if a guest says something or if y'all say something you don't have to take my word for it or yours. Like you can just hit pause and see if it's true. Um, like I recently had uh, Brandon Robertson on and in his book, he said, and this wasn't on the episode, but in his book, he's talking about, you know, there's some Greek words that people will take, you know, that Paul wrote to to bash uh, the ability for people to be homosexual and, and et cetera. And then he basically said, he's like, no, there's, there's like 28 words that actually mean that and either a, derogatory way a specific way or slang way and none of those words were used so we're taking this one word that was used one time and then is only other used one other time I think in the history of text and it was a civil oracle in Rome quoting Paul so you know that's that's option one so feel free to hit pause and take as much time as you need to get through it because it is it's a big topic And it's always uncomfortable because it's so not different but it's so i feel like the generation that we live in now talks easier around that topic than any other generation before but their family doesn't and so there's always those eggshells that you're going to walk on Uh, and then the second is you need to always make sure that whatever theological topic you're listening to or hearing about view it through a lens of a jesus hermeneutic and so if if something doesn't sit right, you, you know, practice something like Electio Divina or whatever. Insert yourself into the text. Watch Jesus from the margins as you pray. What would His posture be to whoever happens to be marginalized? Because we already have examples of that in the Gospels of who's marginalized and what's His posture, and then relate that to today. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's really good. So, shifting gears back and uh, focusing, I know I was a little off-topic. So um shifting gears back to more of deconstruction and uh just just your show and all that you've been through what are some of the things or philosophies or beliefs that have caused you the most doubt
0: mm, the most doubt Ah. Uh,
2: or have you ever struggled with doubt
0: no i definitely struggle with doubt I'm just trying to think of the most doubt so i would say inerrancy back in the beginning was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really struggle with it at all now because I think I had the wrong definition of what inerrancy meant. Uh, and then I also now, so what I struggle with the most now is I'm always afraid that what I think I'm reading is true because I don't feel like I have enough of a, I'm realizing so much how much culture and the history of the ancient Near East matter to the people that wrote the words. Like for ex- And I just don't have enough um, background or history in that. And so it takes longer to read scripture for me now or to dig into scripture because i've got all this other digging to do and for example like if you and i are going to transcript this thing and this somehow becomes scripture people a thousand years from now are going to have to work up whatever are going to have to figure out what the heck i mean when i reference the word snapchat and why that even matters or if that's really just a good word or a bad word or a made-up word from that one time that cody and seth and elaine said something in a podcast but I'm realizing how much culture I don't understand, and so that causes me a lot of doubt and self doubt of 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 knowing whether or not what I'm reading is is valid,
2: yeah, that's really good. I like that. I think that we could all benefit from taking some time to understand context. It's one of my mm-hmm. biggest pet peeves. It drives me crazy. I gotta stay off Facebook whenever that kind of stuff comes up so
0: The part of context that gets me is when people take one verse or half of a verse and they just throw that in there. I'm like, you can't, people don't talk in one sentences. You can't, one sentence does not scripture make like you can't just, that's what this means. No, It doesn't. I had
2: a status I posted, I don't know, a week ago. And it was, I don't, I don't really think it was that challenging. It was saying we're not born sinners is kind of the gist of it is like, we had a podcast coming out talking about like lies we've like come to believe about sin or whatever, and um, one of the things we were talking about is how we're born into a nature of sin where we have a choice now on how we choose to live our lives, but we're not necessarily born sinners, right? The whole thing of like we're nothing but filthy rags we come into this world is is just like we're sinners because of our we're parents' sins or yeah, what have you, yeah. and that's not something I personally believe anymore. I just don't see that as very life giving. I don't really view that scripturally even, and someone was throwing verses in Romans, uh Romans 5 or what, 324 or 524, whichever one it is. And literally the very next verse says the complete opposite. Like literally both of those things, if you read through them, it's like, hey, we were this, but now we're not born into that. It literally says it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why do we just cherry pick? Th- I'm sorry. I can get really, really upset on that one quick because we do that very, exactly what you said. We snip things out of the middle of it.
0: I put Romans in that letter that I sent to my wife's grandfather because he was, well, because some of the clobber passages are from Romans to which I then try to lay out the context of. So if you'll go back to the first little missives that Paul writes in Romans, where he basically says, hey, all you really smart people that are throwing around your knowledge to beat people down? Stop doing that. If you could stop doing that. And then he goes on into talking about everything else. And I'm like, that's what you're doing, bro. Stop it. Stop <laughs> yes. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Yes. Yeah. Cut you off, Elaine. What was your question?
1: Oh, I was going to say, what are some things that you've struggled with saying in church, kind of playing off your podcast? What are some things <laughs> that you, you have struggled with questioning outwardly to other people?
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, what is truth is probably a big one. Um, matter of fact, I just, so today I missed Sunday school. We were teaching. Um, we were teaching the youth cause my youth pastors on vacation. So I, we, we, my wife and I were teaching and they actually said, you know, they were talking about, you know, the, uh, the, the which, which part is it, you know, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of this and, and the, whatever it is of truth. I can't remember what it is right now. And, um, it's just like, we really missed your input. And I was like, did you though? Cause every time I get my input, it seems to get a bit tense. She's like, yeah, but your input is needed. So yeah, probably, you know, just what is truth is a big thing. Um. Anytime, so I live in the South, so racism is constantly in there. Um, And then really also uh, lately is politics. And actually, no, not lately, because it was just as hard to talk about politics with the prior president as it is with this president. Um, Yeah, so politics and love of empire, racism, and then just epistemology, to use a fancy word, but but truth.
2: What are some things right now that you are working through or struggling with or that's challenging you because i I know that you have mentioned in passing before and it shows you do an amazing job of giving other people a chance to speak but i want to give you a chance to speak here uh so what are some things that you're currently faced with
0: so currently i am faced what i'm working through is i want to talk to people of other faiths without figuring out how to lose the core people that listen to the show but i'm realizing that. there's truth in, uh, you know, there's truth in the Quran, there's going to be truth in the Buddhist text and in the Hindu text. And so I have begun studying a lot of those other books and reading some of those other authors and shying away from some Christian authors, um, which has really been fun, but also infuriating because I realize how much more context I don't have. Uh, and so like I'm I'm spending the rest of this year only reading books on the Muslim faith, like only reading books on Islam uh, and I plan to work that all like like for Christmas I plan to, to view Christmas through the eyes of a Muslim like how does a Muslim view the Christian Christmas um, but I'm entirely certain that that will probably break the show but I don't really care um, it's what interests me and so that's what I'm going to do
2: I started reading the Quran this year because I got tired of everyone quoting it at me from the Christian's perspective, saying, well, don't you know the Quran says this or says that? And I'm like, you know, I've never actually heard a single Muslim person ever declare this, so mm-hmm. I'm going to try to read it for myself. So it's laying on my desk yes. right now. It's been put on the back burner to another bigger book that I'm trying to work through.
0: But Which, honestly, that's why I find that faith impressive. Like I'm sure that there are those that uh bible beat or quran beat towards other people none of the muslims that i know ever do that they're some of the most compassionate people that i know and i would like to learn how to emulate that and so i don't know if it's culture i don't know if it's the religion i don't know if it's all that mixed together but i know that it's interesting that does not mean and for those listening that know me um that does not mean i am any more or less in love with jesus than i was this morning But there's a lot of truth there. Uh, And then I'm also digging into um, a book right now on the Essenes, uh, which is a sect of ancient Israel that I just know nothing about. And I haven't dug enough into it yet to even really talk well about it. Um, But it's about that and the Dead Sea Scrolls and how that has impacted the church proper, Mm -hmm. um, which has been so far pretty pretty fun to read.
2: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I picked up a book on the Dead Sea Scrolls two weeks ago. So...
0: (laughs) (laughs) The name of the book is Jesus in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it's upstairs. I can't remember the name of the author um, to save my life. Um, one more thing, Elaine, that makes people uncomfortable is when I talk about hell. Um, oh, yeah. Because I refuse to tell people what I believe usually, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll always say I don't believe in eternal conscious torment. But I find it's it's infuriating for people because they don't they either question, well, why did Jesus die on the cross then? Yeah. Or they're just like well you're just blaspheming like obviously you just haven't read the bible and i'm like ah can we talk can we sit down can we actually have coffee and talk yeah Uh, Yeah. it's worse
1: on facebook especially whenever i don't have it anymore on facebook
0: i like when people say well what are you trying to say i don't Uh know what do you think (laughs) i'm trying to say yeah tell me (laughs) yeah
2: interpret it how you will because that's what most of us do anyway (laughs) yeah oh um we just had a conversation about that. That was our, Mm -hmm. that was when this airs, it'll be two episodes, Mm -hmm. two episodes ago, but yeah, on hell. How did that go? Uh, it went well. Um, I'm excited about it because I don't know, I guess I didn't really voice too much of my opinion Mm -hmm. of hell, but hell is one of the big areas that I deconstructed pretty heavily. Um, it's kind of interesting because I was talking with my father about it. Uh, just a week ago we were sitting at work and I was talking with him and, uh, I was explaining to him some of my beliefs. He's like, oh, yeah, that's how I've always kind of viewed it. And I was like, okay, this is (laughs) random. Then how did I grow up not hearing this? (laughs) Why did we not talk about this? (laughs) So it was kind of fun. But, you know, I don't really necessarily believe in an eternal, um, torturous burning pit either. And so uh, I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Luckily, I'm getting someone else was brave enough to Mm -hmm. talk about it. And I'm sure I'm going to get plenty of backlash from it. But that's kind of the usual.
0: But you said you um, did say what you believed on that interview? I don't, um,
2: I don't remember if I did or not.
0: You could do it so now.
2: I will say, so I'm actually kind of torn. I'd like to hear, okay, if, I, if I'm going to have to say, you're going to have to say something too. Okay. Okay, cool. So I'm torn right now. I don't believe um, in in hell the way most people do. The way I view it is Jesus was either speaking of um, when Israel was burned, literally, uh, or he was referencing how you would be tossed out because it was referencing uh, the garbage pit, right? Gehenna, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. I, I believe so. And so I don't believe in an actual lake of fire. Uh, I'm torn between the idea of either, if you're an atheist and a Christian, you're right. And so basically if you're not a he believer just of just Christ, like your soul kind of dissipates maybe. It's like I don't know if that's the right word for that. Um or I believe in some form of purgatory and eternal reconciliation or like universalism. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that scares the crap out of people when you use the word universalism. Um, but whenever you <laughs> whenever you realize that uh, the culture Jesus grew out of, that was actually kind of a common belief that you would go through some kind of like what, fiery fire, some kind of purifying yeah. fire that would... Um, either consume your soul or would purify you so you can make it back to the Father. That wasn't that far-fetched. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm leaning toward that one, but I'm not opposed to the idea of, of just, I guess, someone's soul dissipating either. I don't know. I just, I view the work of the cross as covering a little more than we like to make
0: it out to be. Uh, Elaine, are you comfortable answering? You I mean, said I, I get don't to ask really, questions, so why yeah. not?
1: <laughs> I don't really have an answer. I mean, I'm kind of with Cody... Of like I don't I don't really know you know I was always taught like it's um, you know burning like a fire and if and if like the what's the the um, the one sin was it the impartable part of the unpardonable yeah, sin yeah where like if you deny Christ then you're going to hell and stuff um, but other than that like I don't really believe that necessarily but I don't really know what I believe about hell right now I'm just kind of like open to the different ideas of it but I do. I, I think I'm like Cody where I'm considering of like, maybe eventually we will all make it back to Jesus is kind of where I'm at right now, but I, I don't have like a definitive answer for how I feel. I haven't yeah. studied it enough.
0: That's fair. So so where so, are you at? So, um, I go back and forth, but I, I find the most comfort in home in, in this. And so, um, I'm going to use these words intentionally. So, um, I want to say when Jesus the Christ talks about hell, it's almost always a metaphor. And by almost always, I mean always a metaphor, which is why Gehenna matters or the way I use Snapchat earlier matters. Like it's it's always a metaphor. And I think you can make a good hermeneutical case uh, for either universalism or for what I'll call conditional immortality, uh, which would be some form of annihilationism. I don't know that I like universalism because if I can think of, okay, so here we go. So I'll use an example. Um, I think I've used this in the show and I'm sure I stole it from somebody else because there's not any original thought really. Um, so if I think of someone, let's take Hitler for example, cause it's easy to pick on. I hate the Jews. And you're going to tell me that I have to spend eternity bowing down to the lamb of God. That is a Jew. Don't you know that I run this? Like I don't want, To be here why would you make me be here and i don't see how that's loving um although there's a part of me that logically thinks that maybe someone could change their mind but
2: or that could be their personal hell
0: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough um and then so what i what i tend to think is that you know everywhere that it says eternal in in scripture i believe that it means the word eternal In a finite way. So, uh, hell is either one of two things. It's either, uh, you know, penalty for sin is death, and that when you die, you cease to be. You no longer exist. Uh, Because I don't believe that people are born with an immortal soul. I believe that Christ, not necessarily Jesus, Christ, um, I think Jesus is the embodiment of Christ on earth, but Christ existed before Jesus um Jesus is just the human form of Christ um which i know that will make some people go what did he say and that's <laughs> that's like fine yes. um so that's why that's why i use those words intentionally so Christ Jesus is what is granting immortality to anyone that is in shalom with god but i don't believe that's ever going to be forced and i also don't think in in some form of omniscience, that he's not going to understand whether or not people will ultimately say yes or no. What is the point in waiting for infinity for someone to say no for infinity? And so I think he'll let you choose and opt out to not be there, uh, which could be heaven for someone that doesn't want to be there. Like I just don't want to be at this party. Why would you make me be here? We all know that this sucks. I don't want to be here. I'm glad that those people are having a good time, but I am not. Um, it is not eternal conscious torment. And I find that a twisted, dispensationalist, um, Darby, Nelson invented version, uh, honestly, Western version. Because I don't, you're right, like a lot of like Jews, my friends that are Jewish, they don't have a concept of hell the way we do. It is always something purifying and refining. Um, It's really just our small little section of the planet and the influence that we flex that does.
2: Yeah, all of us that have it right, you know. Yeah, at least we think you, right absolutely. you know it's interesting. um something that kind of came up in my mind, something that's come up in my reading is almost like to throw a big word on, I don't know if this is a thing out there, but it's almost like conditional universalism. It's mm-hmm. kind of I don't know, a balance of both. So I was reading in Romans, I want to say it's three thirteen or five thirteen it's it's in the time whenever I was kind of being thrown. people were throwing scripture at me, so I was going back and reading it for myself to see what they were saying. Uh, there's a verse and it was either 3.13 or 5.13, that kind of, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, that basically states where the ignorance of sin exists, judgment does not. And so I thought that a very interesting thing because I was always grown up, like we have to evangelize, 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 because that's what saves people's souls. If people don't know about Christ, and they go to, they're, they're going to go to hell, right? But that one verse kind of stood out to me in essence. It's like where the ignorance of sin is, like judgment does not go there. And I don't it just kind of it brought forth this idea of love to me in Christ's eyes and this um almost the innocence of humanity that Christ tries to see in us. I don't know where I'm going with that as much as just to say like that kind of gets thrown into this conversation as well because uh we were talking with someone the other day and they were telling us about how they heard a message preached that the sins of the parents is what killed their child um hmm. or. Uh, you know, wrong. like their their child's soul is going to burn because of their sins unless yeah. they repent. And yeah. like just this craziness. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just, I think that there's so much with that that we use that as just kind of this blunt object. I don't know.
1: Weaponizes it, it against people. Yeah,
2: it just gets under the yeah. skin.
0: Yeah. Something that when, so a lot of people will say that, you know, you know, I prayed hard and the cancer didn't go away or this happened or my, you know, my, or, or some other trite thing. So what I like is something my pastor always says is, you know, God didn't cause that. You didn't cause that. God's just going to sit there in it with you and bear the suffering with you in love, but he didn't cause that. And if anybody tells you that he did, they're lying to you a hundred percent of the time. He didn't cause that. He's just going to sit here and with you with it. Um, which I love. Love it a lot. That's good.
2: So Seth, final question, or I guess final question, kind of, sort of, we technically have two more questions, but one of them is a question that you get to ask. So the last question we ask you, um, if you could say something that was being broadcast to every church across, um, I have the USA, I'm really kind of talking Western mindset here, right? What would it be that you would say?
0: should have prepped me um let's see (laughs) if i could say anything that would be broadcast to everyone instantaneously in the western hemisphere Mm -hmm. yeah in the western church specifically. from the church yeah i'm sorry that we made god so small
2: oh that's good
1: yeah
0: i'm I'm really sorry that we made god that small yeah
1: that's gonna go on a quote card i like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) well good i just made it up but yeah i find it truthful i mean if anything i've learned god is so much bigger than How arrogant that we think that we've fit him down into our little Calvinist box or a little Arminius box or a little fundamentalist box or my little Mm. whatever box I'm in right now. So much bigger, yeah. So we like to
2: end our shows giving you the chance to ask the final question. Uh, You were just talking about putting, uh, how we put God in a box. What is a question, if you were being broadcast to all these churches, what is a question uh, that you would want to ask the leaders of churches across the USA? To help them maybe pull their mentality, uh, pull God out of that box.
0: What are you doing for my children to ensure that a church exists that matters when they're your age? And I say it as that way on purpose, like a church that matters, not this building, not this denomination, but a church, big C church that matters. Like, what are you doing for my kids or for me, for my kids to ensure that it matters when my kids are a middle aged pastor? or middle age period. That's good. Which makes me like 80. (laughs) (laughs) Seth, where can
2: everyone find you and find, can I say this at church?
0: Uh, So you can find it at just, can I say this at church.com. I'm fairly semi vocal on the internet, either at Facebook or Twitter. Twitter's where you'll get the real me, the snarky sarcastic me. Facebook is the one that all the family reads. So it's, it's probably more edited. Um, I'm on Instagram, but basically if you want to get in touch with me anywhere, uh, com is probably the best place to get that or message the show on any of the platforms that it's on. Um, I find it takes all my free time and I don't do much with personal accounts anywhere anymore.
2: And uh, you have a, a group as well, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I have a small Facebook group uh, called Can I Say This at Church Honest Discussions, um, which is a very intentionally non-trollish open community uh, where people can question their faith or honestly then question anything or ask questions or ask for resources. And I've like, there is one, someone, someone in the last five or six months had said, you know, she started talking about her being married as a lesbian and her struggles with her parents. And she'd never typed it out loud anywhere, but she felt like it was a safe place to do so there. And then, you know, tens of twenties of people commenting back, like appreciate you. You're loved, you know, so it's probably one of my favorite places on the internet. Um, It's a closed group. You have to answer questions to get in. Um, I had to add a moderator uh, because it's gotten a little too much busy than what I can handle, but um, I really like it. Yeah.
2: Very cool. And of course, everything that Seth does and anywhere you can find, can I say this at church will be linked in the, in the show notes. So you should go, you should click it, you should subscribe and listen because his shows, like I said, they do a fantastic, he, Seth, you do a fantastic job of giving people a platform and just allowing people's voices to ring true. So I really appreciate that.
0: Can I ask you all a question? Um, Absolutely. So you had said um, that I have, I guess, a diverse or eclectic, I forget the word. So what's been the one that you were like, huh, never considered that before or, or, or a, or a guest or a topic?
2: So, okay, I'm going to be really, like, honest here. Your show is the show I listen to when I mow.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't
2: know. Like, I am I mow the grass. We have an acre and a quarter of land, and we live in Arkansas, and the grass just doesn't stop. And it's, you know, <laughs> I used to live with my grandmother, and she had bamboo in her backyard. And she said, if hell is real, these were her quoting her words, she said, if hell is real, it's not a lake of fire. It's just every day you go and cut bamboo, and you wake up the next day, and it's back. <laughs> And that's how I feel about grass. (laughs) So the only way to pass my time is I listen to longer like podcasts. Mm -hmm. And yours is about the same length as ours. So I'm like, I can actually listen to it and it encompasses enough of my time. Um, I really enjoyed your episode with, yeah, Carl Forehand uh, was one of the episodes. And it was the story of the tea shop. And I know he says Mm -hmm. that a lot um, as I've got to know Carl a little bit better myself. Uh, But it was just that the authentic uh, authenticity authenticity of connection between two people who have nothing in common who have Mm -hmm. not even a language in common just the uh the realization of we're all the same we're all created with that same piece of divinity in us and that was super super empowering to me and it just it it shook my world and the second one it was a a a man who was and you, you you'll probably know his name very quickly he is um an African-American man who is part of the LGBTQ plus group. And uh, he was, yes. And he, his story about being basically locked in a church and like, kind of like being purged of this, uh, you know, quote unquote sin where basically the pastor after a year said, Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing. And just that shook me because I I was like, that 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 is, that is the epitome of how we behave as Christians and how damning our behavior can be mm-hmm. and it was just it it broke me because uh his story of just really just kind of coming to uh to his own identity and who he was and feeling so lost and so broken and being treated um with so much disrespect as a human and so those were the yeah. two that i think really stood out to me mm-hmm. recently
0: cool thanks just curious so yeah.
2: absolutely Seth, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. Thank you for putting up with our, our night brains as we're kind <laughs> of uh, growing accustomed to this. And I look forward to having more conversations in the future.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a good one.
1: Again, we just want to thank Seth Price for being on the show this week and just being lenient and with us and Absolutely. talking about all different kinds of topics.
2: Yeah, Seth, seriously, thank you. Uh, It was was an awesome episode because it transitioned out of something we were just talking about and into something we're about to talk Mm -hmm. about. So I think that was awesome. And uh, we got to hear some of Seth's perspectives, which is kind of a a cool thing whenever we're actually listeners to his show. So we got to hear hear the voice behind the mic and what he believes and what he struggles with.
1: And he even asked us questions, too.
2: So that was fun. So it was a great interview. Also, a quick reminder, hop onto that email list and grab this final five where Seth just runs down some awesome tips on how to be a good listener. And yes, it involves shutting up and listening, but there's a whole lot more to it. So hop onto that email list, the forward slash subscribe and grab that. Of course, Nomads, you already know that. And if you enjoy this episode, we ask you share it on with a friend. That's the best way to keep this conversation going. Also head down there to that uh, review section and leave us an honest review so we can know What you guys are getting from the show and how we can just serve you guys better. We love you guys. Thank you so much. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk talk. soon.